One of the biggest investments people will probably make in a lifetime is building a new home. You'll want to make sure you watch this before you start that process. So Tim, you're part of Spectrum Insurance Group or you're an owner, I believe? I'm one of the partners in Spectrum Insurance Group. We have a, we have a few partners. Um, Spectrum was originally started uh, in 2007 by Daryl Zaleski. Um, Daryl had worked for Wausau Insurance and Wausau Insurance at that time had uh, kind of closed their doors and he formed what we started as Spectrum Insurance Group back in 2007. It was up in Chippewa Falls. And uh, at that time, it was just, you know, about four people. So since 2007, we've grown to 16 locations. Uh, we have, a, you know, multiple partners now. Daryl is still kind of our leader in the group. Um, I joined Spectrum Insurance Group in 2014 with the purchase of uh, the Lester and Smart Agency in Wisconsin Rapids that I had worked at for 14 years. Um, I've got 26 years in the industry total now, so it's, uh, it's going fast. Um, at Spectrum Insurance Group, we're licensed in 45 states. Uh, we're in the District of Columbia, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, we're continuing to grow. We, you know, look to grow organically and by acquisition every year. And, um, you know, just, just a lot going on and always a lot moving. Yeah, you guys have, uh, boy, and being in all those states and being in the industry a long time, you've probably, probably seen it all. Um, can you elaborate on maybe like a crazy story, like uh, something you had to cover, or can, can you elaborate on anything like that, something to uh, start you, us off with? You know, every day is something different. Yeah. Uh, there's truly, uh, in our industry, uh, you're learning something new every day. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you want to consider yourself an expert, and I would say to be an expert in our industry, you got to continually be moving forward, and that's, that's something we really strive at, Spectrum, is mm -hmm. to continually move forward. Uh, you know, in we're you know we're in the Midwest we're in Wisconsin Rapids here and and in the summer when we hear about hail, uh, hail is our probably one of our least favorite words. <laughs> sure, uh, we've been through a couple of large hailstorms in this area, you know, 2007 and again in 2014, I believe it was. So, you know, when those things come, um, you know, it's a stressful time. It it's it's hard on it's hard on the insurance agents. It's hard on the insurance industry. It's hard on the homeowner itself. But, um, you know, when you go through those things, that's when you really find out if you've, you're working with the right agent and they're there for you. And, you know, that's, that's one thing we pride ourselves on is, you know, really trying to help our customers and yeah. make sure their knowledge. I think most people don't think about insurance until it's probably too late, you know, until they need to use it. Um, so I'm hoping today we can bring to light a lot of the reasons why, you know, you're going to need insurance. Uh, we're going to talk about new construction insurance. Um, so hopefully, you know, future homeowners realize why this is important to have. So, um, so, you know, we deal with new construction. So when is a good time to, to talk about insurance when, when somebody's looking to build a new home, when's a good time to, to start looking at that? You know, I think, I think as a, a new home buyer, or if you're going to build, uh, you want to start looking at that into your budget. Um, you know, just because it's, it's, it all plays into it right now. And, um, we're seeing a lot of changes in the market right now. Um, the market is definitely tightening up the companies, what they're willing to write and what they're willing to do. And, um, you know, when you get into higher home values, uh, you're definitely limiting the insurance companies that you're going to deal with. So there's, you know, there's just a lot. I always say the sooner, the better, you know, if I have a customer that calls me and says, Hey, we're thinking about building a house and we're going to start January 1st. 
um, you know, give me, give me 60 days notice. If you're in that process and you're going, you know, try to give me 60, 30, 30 days notice, you know, give me, give me as much time as possible. It just, you know, it's going to help us and it's going to help you too. Okay. So what, what is that first type of insurance that somebody's going to need when they're, when they're deciding to build a new home? I know there's all different types of uh, insurance and policies out there. So what, what's really that first, like somebody just, you know, a lot of people haven't built a new home before. So what is that first policy going to look like and what is it called? Yeah. So what, what you're essentially going to do is at that point, it, most people are going to refer to it as builder's risk. Okay. Okay. So at that point, we're going to need to go in and, and when you buy a builder's risk policy, you're essentially buying a homeowner's policy first with a builder's risk endorsement. So meaning you're going to go in and we're going to talk to me or, or one of our agents and we're going to say, let's figure out what the completed cost of construction is going to be. So, you know, that's going to include the foundation. It's going to include, you know, then building. It's not going to include the landscape or driveway or things like that. It's going to be the house itself. So we want to figure out and, and you know, that may whoever the uh, insured is working with it for their builder, you know, hopefully they can give them that idea of, of the completed cost of construction. So at that point, we're going to look at that as our replacement cost on the building. Um, and we want to ensure that make sure that we're insuring the house to the full replacement cost. So we'll insure the house at the full replacement cost. And let, let's say it's a million dollar house. So, you know, we'll get that put in place, write the standard homeowner's policy with the endorsements that we think we may need. And that, and the main endorsement at that point is going to be the builder's risk insurance, which is going to uh, builder's risk is going to help you in, in a situation of collapse. So, you know, the first portion that's going to happen is you put in the uh, foundation, and if they're backfilling the foundation and for some reason it collapses or cracks or something like that. So that's going to be the collapse portion. Um, the other part of the builder's risk is going to be the theft of building materials, things like that, things that you store on site. So, so <clears throat> some customers might get a little confused and it'd be nice to clarify it for them. They think, well, if my builder's insured, does that not then cover me during construction? Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? And I think that's a conversation to have with the builder. Um, generally, the builder is not going to be covering the house itself. They're going to put that on to the, to the homeowner and say that that's your responsibility. You're going to get your homeowner's policy, endorse it with the builder's risk endorsement, which again is the you know, collapse and, and theft of building materials and things like that, which is also going to have liability for the homeowner themselves. But in the, most cases, we see that the general contractor does not carry the builder's risk on the on on the on the new construction, uh, and we they generally push that back towards the homeowner. So the you know the general contractor who's also going to have subs coming in and out, you know the general contractor is going to have their liability policy. You're going to probably want to ask for a certificate of insurance to prove that they have that. Certificate of insurance is going to be a document that they're going to provide, generally with your name at the bottom, and it's going to show that they have the liability coverage in place you know, to be working at your place. Sure. So really he's covering himself and any subs for injury, stuff like that on the job site. The homeowner really needs to make sure that they then have something in place to cover the materials and, and the home itself in case something happens. Correct. Okay. I, the, the homeowner is going to be covering the home as it goes up. Again, we talk about collapse, you know, so as the home goes up and let's, you know, they have it framed in, um, you know, but maybe we don't have, all the walls completely enclosed or something at that point, 
and a windstorm would come through and blow it over, that collapse is going to be covered under the builder's risk. Okay? So that, that's where we're finding that coverage on that. And, and I've seen those happen. We, we've had some of those. Um, you know, the, the building materials, once the building materials are on site, generally we see that those are covered by the homeowner then. Yeah. If your contractor is storing off-site, we would see that the contractor would have to make sure he's got inland marine coverage or business personal property coverage at that off-site location to be covering those materials that were waiting to get to the new home. What about uh, materials in shipment, like on the truck, being shipped, you know, if we're selling a home and it's being shipped from Wisconsin to Colorado, um, who's covering those materials during the shipment? You know, again, that would be something to talk to uh, the builder, talk to, you know, where you're purchasing your home. Uh, the builder's risk policy is not going to cover that that stuff in transit. Okay. Okay. So we're going to have to look at the common carrier if they have cargo coverage. So cargo coverage is going to be what's going to cover what they have on their truck. Okay. Um, you know, and then the contractor may also have what we call an installation floater. So let's say that contractor or the, the truck that sent drove everything out to Colorado, for example, they get it dropped off at the contractor's site which is off premise from the home being built uh any of that product going then to the home that's being built we'd want to make sure that they have an install they call it an installation floater tim how long should a person person have coverage for so generally generally a builder's risk policy is written for a one-year term uh there there are instances or circumstances where the companies will extend that but generally it's a one-year term so you know understanding that some higher-end houses and bigger houses can take two three you know four years to build that's something we definitely want to talk about up front and in the beginning so when we're talking to the insured if if we think it's going to take more than a year we're definitely going to have to have that conversation with underwriters at the companies or you know find out which company is really going to be able to excel in that area for us Right. So, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes we see delays in projects for unforeseen circumstances. Would you guys cover, like, if somebody had to stay in a rental property, like they sold their previous house, they're renting now, and, uh, you know, maybe the lead times got pushed out of materials or whatever it is, they have to rent that property longer now for a longer period of time. Is that something that Builder's Risk would cover? It's not going to cover that. Um, that's going to fall back onto the insured, and uh, you know, unfortunately, that's going to be a, you know, delay in building or or something to that effect. But we're, you know, we're not going to have a, what we would call a covered peril, on the insurance policy in that situation. Okay. What if there were the case of a fire? Does that fall under coverage for builder's risk? So in a fire, you know, each policy is going to read a little bit differently. Um, I would say, you know, there's a chance we could have some loss of use coverage is what they would call it at that point. Because uh, you're, you're writing a standard homeowner's policy and we're endorsing it to the builder's risk, to include the builder's risk. So your standard homeowner's policy will cover you. They're going to give you loss of use coverage if you need to rent a different place or, you know, stay at a hotel or, or something like that. So, you know, I'm not an adjuster, and I'm not the company, but and everybody's going to be a little bit different. But I would say in that situation, you know, depending on how far along you are in the construction as well, I think there's just a lot of factors that are going to play, play in in that situation. So what happens when, I assume it would be under the builder's risk, but maybe not, like a customer 
you know, wants to show off their project or their house as it's getting built. They bring a friend out, the friend slips and falls. Does that then fall under that builder's risk or how does that? So again, we're going to, we're going to write the standard policy first. Okay. So depending on what liability limit you pick, I mean, we, we as an agency, um, our minimum liability limit that we recommend is 500,000. So we're going to want you at at least 500,000 of liability for yourself. Your homeowner's policy is also going to include med payments. So, you know, let's say you're building a new house and I come out and I, I slip and fall and I twist my ankle and I end up at the emergency room. In that case, the medical payments is probably going to come step in and, and pay my emergency room bill for a thousand dollars. And generally, uh, medical payments range from you know a thousand to ten thousand on a homeowner's policy. But again, each state's a little bit different. I'm gonna I'm gonna somewhat reference Wisconsin as we're most familiar here. Sure. Um, if it's something more extensive, and I come back and you know I I sue you because I there was an unsafe condition or something like that, uh, that's where your liability insurance is going to kick in. So the med pay. You know, if it's just kind of a minor issue, they're going to come and step in in that. If I come after you further, that's where the liability insurance is going to step into play. Okay. Now, what about those customers that <clears throat> get a little eager and want to move in? You know, you're covered for that first year, right? Or it, it stays in place for a year. But all of a sudden, the customer's moving stuff into the garage, let's just say, before the house is actually fully built. Does that then cover any of their belongings that they put in the garage to store or... Again, uh, you know, you're, you're always going to want to talk to your agent and, and just be open and keep the dialogue flowing with them about what's going on, where you are, what's the status of the house, that type of thing. In your standard homeowner's policy, again, we, you know, let's say we set the, we set the limit at the house that it's a million, you're going to build a million-dollar house. In your standard homeowner's policy, most companies, and again, I, you know, it's going to vary from company to company, but are going to include 75% of your home value for personal property. So meaning you're going to have $750,000 worth of personal property coverage automatically. Um, so in that situation, you know, again, you'd probably want to talk to your agent, talk to them, just keep the dialogue open. But I, I, I would assume in most of those cases, you're going to have that personal property coverage already built into the policy. Are there some general misconceptions that people have when it comes to uh, heading into construction, building a brand new home, and maybe underestimating the value of insurance, the value of having coverage like this. Uh, because I'd imagine a lot of people don't consider it in their calculus of building a home. It's oftentimes an afterthought. So maybe they think, maybe they're under construction, then they think to reach out to you. Whereas they probably should have done that a lot sooner. Maybe they should have done that when they first bought the land. And perhaps it's not builder's risk insurance yet, it's just a general coverage for if, if there were an injury on the land, or perhaps if they're a wealthy individual and they're concerned that there might be uh, opportunities for others out there to take advantage, some sort of a, just a general umbrella policy. So are there some, uh, some missed opportunities for folks out there that they're not looking into? Yeah, a lot of good questions in there and a, a lot of good things to talk about. I mean, let's be honest, Nobody wants to buy insurance, right? I, I shouldn't say they don't want to buy insurance, but nobody likes writing that bill. Um, you know, but what we're there is, you know, as an agent, we're an, I'm an independent agent, been doing it for 26 years. And, you know, I look at it as, you know, we're there to protect everything you've 
you've accumulated in your life, right? So we want to make sure we're protecting you. And it, you know, if the worst case scenario happens, you're going to come back to me and say, Hey, I hope you have my back here. Um, and that's why it's important for us when we go through writing a homeowner's policy or an auto policy for a customer, you know, we have checklists and we have things we go through and we try to talk to the clients about everything they've got going on. Uh, you know, Zach, going back to what you talked about, if you buy the land, let, let's say you buy 40 acres, um, you know, you're always going to want to talk to your agent and say, hey, I purchased 40 acres. A lot of times if it's vacant land, it's going to be automatically included in coverage. But again, you have to look at the policy and say what what is truly vacant. So if you so much as build a driveway and put a culvert in and you've got two posts and a chain coming across, the insurance company now is going to say, hey, that's not vacant land. So now we've got to extend liability to that location. So that new location may not even have an address yet. So at that point, we would look at it and say, get us the legal description, how many acres we can get liability extended to that location. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that would, that would be the first thing. Make sure we have liability there. And then as you go through the process of the home building and you get your site, you know, somewhat figured out and, you know, where you're going to put, put your home and septic and all of those things, you know, again, as I said before, we're, we're going to want to keep the lines of communication open. So the builder's risk, it's important that we get the builder's risk started. And I always tell customers, as soon as you start digging the hole, let me know. Okay. So we're going to talk before that and we're going to say, hey, you know, we're building this house. Here's what we think the cost is going to be. Here's what we're going to have. Here's where it's located. So as soon as you start digging the hole, that's when we want to get the builder's risk put in place. And we're going to get that started. You know, generally, like we said earlier, builder's risk is going to last, you know, about a year. Um, again, projects, you know, as we get into higher end homes, they take longer and longer. So again, I would tell the consumer, if, if you know that your project's going to be two three years possibly, you definitely want to be upfront with the agent about that. Is there, is there um, payments for longer policies then? Is it, does it cost more to do longer um, terms than one year? I feel like a lot of the projects are just, just taking longer now. Like with these high-end custom homes, they just they just end up taking longer. And I think that's where it might become stressful when, when these timelines start hitting people. So is that something that's, that they can write right away, maybe go two years? You know, generally the builder's risk is going to start in a one year. Okay. Because um, most policies are written on an annual annual term. Okay. Uh, again, if we know it's going to be a two year, we know that right up front. Definitely something to talk to the agent about. Each state, each carrier is going to be different. And it's definitely that conversation you want to have up front. Because, you, you know, as the agent, you don't want to be blindsided at the end and say, oh, wait, I didn't know this. So, you know, the more you can tell up front, the more we can talk about up front, the easier it's going to make it for everybody. Now, you, you, you said something about location earlier, and that brought up a story of a customer I had and just wanted to get your input. Um, he was actually building out or looking to build out in Montana. It was going to be a larger home, higher value home. And he was running into a hard time finding insurance due to the valuation of the home and the distance to the closest fire department. Um, what, I guess, if anything, do you see? I know you're kind of more Wisconsin, but do you see where sometimes location can play a role in maybe what that policy is going to cost or what the coverage looks like? Location is definitely a factor. Okay. Uh, you know, when we get into location and what we call protection classes, so each fire department is rated on a, on a protection class. 
And so the further you get away from a fire department, the higher the protection class. And they generally range from one to 10. So if you, if you get into, you know, you're over seven, eight miles from a fire department, you're generally seeing yourself in a protection class 10, which is going to be the most difficult protection class to find yourself getting insurance in. And depending on your home features, it's definitely going to make a difference. So if you have a freestanding wood stove in your home, for example, and, and you build one and you put that in your basement or, or wherever in the house, you know, any type of solid fuel burning device is definitely going to play into factor, you know, with the location, with the protection class, how far you are away from the fire department, you know, and, and they look at that and they rate for that because, you know, you're 10, 15, 20 miles from a fire department, you know, by the time you notice the fire and by the time the fire department's going to get there, obviously there's going to be a lot of bad things that have happened in that short window of time. Sure. So does that change your, your premium? I mean, we can talk maybe a little bit about what changes some of the pricing factors. Um, what would that, would you take a look at that and, and would their premium be higher then for that builder's risk or the homeowner's insurance or? You're definitely going to pay more. Like when you get into the higher protection class, you're going to see a higher premium. Uh, the, you know, and the insurance companies look at that because they have more risk into it at that point. Right. So, you know, if we have a house that's located in the city and the city's a protection class three or four, you know, they're assuming if something happens in that situation, there's going to be more people that maybe notice something happening. Um, it's going to be a shorter response time for the fire department to get there, things like that. So the higher the protection class, generally the higher the premium you're going to see. What, what are some things maybe that clients can do during the construction process that might help lower their cost? Is there some things they could do like surveillance cameras or, you know, stuff like that, that they can, you know, do? all of that stuff helps okay. when, when you look at what the insurance companies generally will come back to look at us and they'll say, you know, most houses we see nowadays that are going to be over a million dollars, the insurance companies want a central reporting alarm system. They're going to want, um, you know, both for burglary and fire, um, depending on if, if it's a second home or a first home, they may want an automatic water shutoff valve. So there's going to be a sensor in the house that all of a sudden, if they see that water is flowing, it's going to shut that water off to the house. So to make sure we're not flooding the basement or the first floor, you know, something to that extent. So the insurance company, you know, and they offer discounts for those things. Again, each company is a little bit different in how they handle it. But, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, the alarms and, and smoke detectors and all of that type of stuff and, what I would tell people at this point is, you know, if you're looking at that, look at, look at that right up front, look at that in your build, you know, look to put those things in right away other than after the fact, it just, sure. it makes it easier for everyone. Even if it's not related <laughs> to affecting your insurance premium, these are just great features to have regardless. You know, imagine if you're away from home, you can actually get an alert on your phone saying that the smoke alarm is going off. Right. Or if you're on vacation and for some reason, there's water running in the house, which I know a, a personal story of this. It didn't affect me personally, but someone had been going on vacation. Kids, one of the kids ran back into the house to use the toilet. Something happened there. Who knows what, but it overflowed. They're on vacation and now they got water damage. They don't know about it for like seven days. Oh man. With this automatic water shut off, it would actually go and shut off the main house water source right from the main yeah what to had an issue at all a lot of our yeah i mean a lot of our homes are second homes for clients 
Mm-hmm. So that that is that is huge. Yeah, that'd be one thing I would definitely recommend. Um, you know, if you leave that that winter home for three four months, you know, snowbird, go down to warmer climate. That's just a peace of mind having that automatic shutoff for sure. We're seeing a lot in our industry now. We've got we've got companies that are approaching us that want to work with us all the time and work with our clients about. You know, everything's about an app on your phone now, right? Mm-hmm. So they have apps that'll you know. Um, they'll come in and tell you, you know, you, it's, it's the time of year to change your furnace filter. Uh, it's, you know, time of year to change the filter on your refrigerator, water softener, things like that. So all of those things, you know, just why we look at that and it's a lot, it's always a lot and you're always absorbing a lot of information, but it's a lot of things that's truly going to protect generally one of your largest assets. You're probably aware of, a lot of conveniences that are going in new homes to help protect the homeowners. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you've seen out there? You know, we, we had the example of the automatic water shut off, being alerted with the smoke alarm. Anything else out there that we're not aware of? You know, the biggest thing for us, uh, you know, we look at those alarm systems, you know, motion detection, um, you know, a, a lot of times, depending on where you're located, having having good lighting or emergency lighting. Uh, another big thing in, you know, homes that we see, and especially if you're in a rural area and let's say you're, you know, 20 miles out of town and uh, something we see more and more of an insurance companies like to see as well is uh, backup generators. They're a, they're a great thing for the insured. Cause you know, generally if you're, if you've got a house that's located, you know, 20 miles out of town, you're going to have your own septic. You're going to have your own, um, you know, uh, excuse me, you're going to have your own um, sump pump, things like that, or, or garbage pump to get things out. So, you know, if you don't have power, none of that's going to run. And so we're seeing a lot more and more of the of the backup generators. And, you know, the insurance companies generally give a discount for that because they're going to, you know, that's a, that's a good thing for them as well. Because if you can't run your sump pump and it's the middle of a bad rainstorm or whatever, and now your basement's getting flooded, so... So the backup generator, we're seeing definitely seeing more and more of that. Speaking of uh, discounts, you mentioned earlier hail damage, and one of the worst words for you to hear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there incentives for customers to go to like a high-impact shingle or a hail-resistant type shingle or roof? Are, are you seeing insurance companies maybe giving discounts there where it might be worth the customer to make that upgrade? So I would say in 2023 right now, one, one of the biggest things we've seen from insurance companies, um, and, and I'm going to talk more of a Midwest regional uh, aspect here, the insurance company, we're, we're seeing major changes in roof coverage overall, meaning, you know, we're, we're seeing companies go if a roof is, you know, 15 years old, they're now going to what they call actual cash value. So if you have a, if you have a, 20 year shingle and you know you're you're 10 years into that shingles life and you get a hailstorm and and we they they come in to look at that shingle and they determine that it's damaged from hail and it needs to be replaced if we're on actual cash value what they're going to do is say that's a 20 year shingle it's worth you know x number of dollars you know we're 50% of its life right now we're essentially going to pay you 50% of that value and that's going through onto the shingle, that's going through onto the labor and all of that right now. And that's a really big change in the industry. Uh, we're really starting to see that because hail has impacted, especially the Midwest, so hard. 
we're really starting to see that change in the industry where the companies are pushing to get either, you know, thing, things on actual cash value after 15 years or there's a roof schedule. So from year one to five of your new roof, you're going to have replacement costs at full 100%. You know, year six to nine, you'll get replacement cost on it or actual cash value, and maybe it's going to be at 75%. So again, each company is changing, and, and that is probably one of the number one changes we've seen in our world this year. So when it comes to the shingle, when it comes to the, you know, if it's a 20, 30 year shingle, or if it's a metal shingle, you know, a lot of that plays into factor and, and that goes into the rating at the company. Um, but I, I would say the biggest thing that's going to influence a lot of that is going to be either what they call a wind hail deductible. If you have that at a thousand, 2,500 or 5,000. So, you know, wherever you're willing to take the risk on the deductible and, you know, essentially the deductible is going to be, what are you willing to pay? at the time of a loss. So the higher deductible, usually the lower the premium. I get a lot of questions about steel roofing, you know, talk about roofing. Um, is there any advantage um, going to steel roofing in, in, in the insurance side? Like, would you say, would you give them a credit or, you know, lower premiums because of a steel roof? So there's different classes of the metal. Um, and again, each company is gonna be a little bit different when they get into that and, and so again, I, I would say that's something you want to go back to your agent and talk to and say, hey, if I put you know this, this roof on, what is it going to be? And again, if you do that, one of the things I'm always concerned about with metal roofs and things, you want to check with your company too to see if there's a cosmetic exclusion. So let's say you get a hailstorm rolls through and you have a metal roof. It dents the roof, but it does not affect the integrity. The performance of it? Correct. Right, okay. So some of the companies may look at that and say, it doesn't affect the integrity of the roof, uh, but obviously there's a cosmetic look to it. Sure. So you just want to make sure you have, if, if that's important to you, you want to make sure you have that cosmetic coverage. Okay. Are soft costs something that ever get considered if a home needs to get re-engineered for any reason or if, like let's just say they're excavating and they, they come to, they, they never did a, a soils test. They didn't realize that there was so much bedrock underneath them. Now all of a sudden we need to re-engineer and there are so many additional costs. Is there any coverage for unexpected surprises like that? That's gonna be that that's gonna be a tough area to find coverage in the in the standard homeowners policy. It really is. I you know, I don't I every situation and every every situation is unique and different. Um, so to say that there's never gonna be coverage, I you know, I really can't say that, but I, I would say that's gonna be a difficult, difficult situation to find coverage in. It's easy to recognize that having insurance brings so much value because you're protecting such either a large asset or just a large investment. But with that in mind, I think a lot of people have uncertainty whether they are exploring all the right options for them uh, or even really knowing what's out there. Is, you know, how, how do people best feel comfortable in knowing that all their circumstances are being explored, that they have a good understanding of of what they should get or consider. You know, I, th I think it's important to, you know, find an agent you're comfortable with. Find 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 an agent. You know, I we're independent agents. You know, so we we, you know, our agency we have over over forty companies that we work with. So, 
you know, each company is a little bit different. Each company is going to specialize in certain areas or offer better coverages or so each situation is going to be different. And I think sitting down with the insurance agent or the broker that you're working with and, and really being upfront and saying, here's what I have. Um, I don't, I don't know if I need to have coverage. If, if we, you know, if, if we build our house and we decide to dig a pond and in the backyard, do I need to do something different for that? Or if I, if I decide to put a dock into that pond or a bridge over a corner of it, there's all kinds of things that change. And, and I, you know, the biggest thing in our industry is be upfront with the agent. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than a surprise for both of you. So I, I, I think if you can, you know, truly sit down, have that conversation, talk to the agent, hopefully the agent's going to be asking you the right questions and, you know, asking the things that you need as well, because, you know, again, we're, you know, we're talking about probably for most people, it's their largest asset. And, you know, we need to make sure we're doing, doing the right things for you and make sure we're getting your, your covered the proper way. You mentioned a couple of times you're an independent insurance group. What, what does that mean? Yeah. As an independent, uh, we have access to multiple companies. We can contract with multiple carriers. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, spectrum insurance insurance group, for example, you know, we have over 40 carriers that we can go to and talk to. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd have to try to find that exact number of how many we're contracted with, but, um, it gives us the opportunity for each situation is unique. Each company can be unique to a situation. So it just gives us a lot of, um, a lot of options and different opportunities, you know, versus what they call a captive agent. A captive agent usually has one company that they work with. That is their company. That's the only company they write with, you know, it's so obviously I'm a little biased. I, I think being an independent has a, you know, has a benefit. Um, it gives you more options to bring to the table always. So it does. It seems like a huge option or a huge advantage. I should say is like you said, every situation, every client's a little different. So you can kind of go out there and find them the best rate essentially is what you're saying. Again. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about insurance, everybody is very price conscious all the time. Everybody's worried about the price. And what I would say is, you know, as an agency, price is always important. Um, but making sure that we have the correct coverage for you is going to be even more important. So we talk about that in our sales meetings. We, we talk about that with our agents, you know, if you're selling on price, you know, we're at some point we're going to lose on price or we're going to have a problem with coverage on price. So we really want to make sure we're custom tailoring a policy that is made for the individual and, and what they have. That's a huge point to make. Don't always shop on price, but basically on, on the right coverage for yourself. Correct. Well, it's got to be so hard to compare apples to apples. If you're shopping on price, I would think that at, when it's all said and done, you want to make sure you do have full coverage of what you're expecting and that you're assessing what kind of risk are you willing to take. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. We're, uh, we're worried about the price for our customers and we, you know, we want to make sure we're giving you the best value uh, for the best policy we can get you. So we talked a lot about the builder's risk and stuff, but is there a transition when it goes from, okay, the home's done being built to now just standard home insurance? And how does that transition work for the customer and the agent and stuff? Yeah. So once the house is completed, you're again, you're going to want to let the agent know that, Hey, we're, we're moving in on July 1st. So, you know, effective that day, we can take the builder's risk endorsement off of the policy, because remember what we've done is we've written a policy for a homeowner's policy. We've written the entire policy with the endorsements and the package. 
and then we've endorsed the builder's risk to it. So at that point, your policy is still going to be in place, and we're just going to delete that builder's risk portion off of it. Okay. Do you see, you know, we occasionally have customers that want to build <clears throat> vacation homes and then maybe use them as like Airbnbs or something when they're not using it. Uh, have you seen that in your industry? And is there, you know, do you guys treat that a little differently than just a standard homeowner's policy, obviously? We do. We've seen, you know, obviously we've seen a big uptick in that and, and Airbnb and, and Verbo and all of that. So there's always challenges. Um, I would say that's a very limited market. It's, be, it's become a much more limited market. But, you know, that there are companies out there that'll do it. it. It'll depend on, there's a lot of factors that go into that. It's going to depend on how many days a year you rent it. Um, you know, do you have a management service coming in to clean it? Do you have somebody checking on it? How often are you going to be there as the owner? So there, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Um, I, you know, it is a more difficult market to get into, but it's possible. So removing the rental part of it, are vacation homes a little different than just your standard homeowners too? You know, if you're only going to be using it during the summer, you're only going to be there part-time, do you guys look at that too? Yeah, generally, you know, we'll have what we call your primary dwelling. So, you know, let's say, you know, I live in Wisconsin and my primary dwelling is here and I have a secondary maybe in Colorado or Arizona or wherever it is. You know, when you write your package policy, we're going to call that your secondary dwelling. And again, depending on, you know, the value and how often you're going to be there, all those types of things. It's going to be treated a little bit differently just because we're going to write the same type of policy. We're going to write a homeowner's policy, include all that um, personal property, things like that, have your, have your liability for that location. Um, but depending on how much you're there, again, that's where we get into, they may require that water shutoff valve or, you know, things like that because you know, one of the one of the claims we see a lot of times is you have a washer and dryer hooked up. That line to the washing machine breaks, you know, and all of a sudden now you've got water flowing and nobody knows about that. If you're not there for, you know, 30, 60 days, you're going to come back to a big mess. So there's advantages to, you know, having those safety features and those shutoff valves and those alarm systems and all of that. So there, there's definitely advantages to that for everyone. Sure. There's a huge advantage of having a brand new home. Of course, it seems like there'd be fewer risks than having an older home. But with that being said, here's something that might surprise a lot of people. Dryers can have a water hookup for introducing steam and moisture into the dryer to help with like a wrinkle release. Yeah. Well, if you have, let's just say you have well water and it's not conditioned, it's hard water, those valves can accumulate buildup and you may not realize it, but your dryer is actually leaking water over time. And that's one of those things that can really catch someone off guard. And I've, I've known of it happening before. <laughs> yeah. what, do you, uh, what is probably the number one claim that you see out there? A lot of my experiences in the Midwest and, you know, the biggest thing with insurance companies right now is wind and hail. Wind and hail. And, you know, what we're talking about today, if you're building a new home, you know, wherever you're located, you know, one of your concerns is going to need to be that collapse coverage in the builder's risk. And obviously that's going to be caused by wind. So, I, I mean, I've had those coverages. I've had those before. Um, just a claim I'm thinking off at the top of my head. I had an insured that was, um, you know, building a, it was like a 40 by 100 uh, pole, pole type barn structure. 
all framed up, ready to go. The next day they were going to start putting the, the metal sheeting on it. Uh, windstorm came through that night and blew it all over. So, you know, in that case, that's, that's where we have that collapse coverage and it came in and you got to start over and you got to clean everything up and you, you got to, you know, move forward and, and essentially start over again. And a lot of it comes down to your bracing and all those types of things. And I'm not a contractor, so I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the codes on bracing and things like that, but all of those things are important. And it's, you know, that's why you want to look to have a good reputable contractor as well. Yeah, no, I, when I was in our design and engineering department, that that was really coming to be something we had to watch out for. A lot of the the codes started adding um, wind loading to the home, so not just snow loading. You know, home being or loads being pushed down on the home. Now we had to worry about that lateral load. So now we see a lot of um, wind bracing um, being added to the design. You know, we have to get those homes engineered now for wind. So I know that was huge. Probably about. I would say about 15 years ago that really came into play in our design and our engineering team really had to look out for that stuff and it's yeah. it's been part of the plans ever since so porta walls too you know at uh, at the garage location that that is a concern with wind you know when you have small wall sections or tall wall sections um you have to look out for that wind and that uh, that lateral that lateral load being put on the home now if plans are engineered so certified stamped by an engineer does that play an influence in the builder's risk policy? Um, possibly. I mean, again, each situation is different. Um, you know, in those situations, you know, let's say we have a, a, a problem with maybe something was engineered incorrectly and we have a claim on that at that point. Generally, that's going to go back to, you know, whoever designed or drew that up mm-hmm. and fall under their E&O coverage. So, you know, as errors and omissions and, you know, if they made an error in that design, that's where we would generally look back, you know, to go for that coverage. Something that I could see being a little bit of a conflict is if a homeowner is looking for uh, some sort of like builder's risk policy, but they're also doing their own construction. Is that a conflict of interest? And is that hard to ensure? You know, what I see, what I've seen on my end from that is generally that takes longer um, and each, again, each situation is different, but, you know, we're, we've got to make sure, you know, we're, we're getting the right t- time frame for that builder's risk and make sure, you know, we're, we're getting what we need exactly. But, um, as far as the insurance companies are concerned, you know, it's a conversation I want to have with them I'd say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at doing my own framing. I'm going to frame it up, but I'm going to have somebody come in and do the electrical and the plumbing. And, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that? And where are we at? So, you know, again, it, it's something you'd want to just be upfront about and have that conversation. You know, there's someone else who has risk oftentimes associated with these projects, and we haven't even touched on it yet, but it's the bank. So the bank probably has some sort of guidelines or expectations. Do you know much about that relationship and how that plays a part in this puzzle? Yeah, so generally what we're going to see is that, you know, the bank, if, if they're taking out a mortgage on the home, um, the bank's going to come to us and they're going to want to be listed as what they call the mortgagee on the policy. And, and generally, they at that point, they won't close on that loan or that construction loan um, because there's a mortgage and sometimes there's construction loan. So a lot of those things work a little bit differently. But at that point, they're going to want to be listed as the mortgagee on the policy. And, you know, we get them listed and, and that it's protecting the bank because at at the time of loss, you know, if the, if the house burns down and and there's a large loss, what, what 
what's going to happen is the insurance company at that point is going to write that check, issue that check to, you know, maybe Zachary Parmeter and XYZ Bank. So you can't just take that check and go out and cash it and do what you want with it. So they're going to, they're going to be listed as an and, you know, to be paid on that check and, and that's going to protect the bank. That's a great point. Something that I see is a great benefit of having this coverage is if something does happen under construction, this allows the project to move forward. We're not stuck with uh, so one of the contractors has insurance, so that, that insurance company is pointing at another insurance company. And at the same time, you're feeling pressure to get the home built. If you've got this builder's risk policy, I'd imagine that, that would help move things along better if this was directly related to the construction of the home. Correct. I, you know, what we would look at is if there's a claim, we're going to get the claim filed under the under the home policy with the builder's risk endorsement. And we're going to get that we're going to get that filed. If the insurance company comes back and feels that there is an issue because the general contractor did something wrong, um, you know, didn't handle something with a subcontract correctly or, or whatever, you know, at that point, they're going to have the opportunity to go back and subrogate um, and subrogation is the is the term for it. Um, and essentially that's being able to go back after the general contractor and say, Hey, this was really your problem. We paid for it, but we want you to pay us back. You know, that being said, you know, with the general contractor, you know, depending on the cost of some of these houses nowadays, if you're, you know, two, three, four, you know, $5 million house, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, possibly your contractor has enough liability coverage on that to be. You know, if, if he's got a, a one, you know, a lot of times we'll see general contractor policies will be a $1 million per occurrence and a 2 million aggregate, meaning they will pay up to $1 million for one loss, but there's a 2 million aggregate on the policy, meaning so 2 million is the most they would pay in one year. So you may want to look at, see if your contractor at that point has an umbrella policy and the umbrella policy goes over the top of their general liability. It's going to go over their autos. It's going to go over their work comp and all their underlying policies. And at that point, you know, depending on home value situation, you know, you may require that general contractor to have at least a, you know, $5 million umbrella. So again, each situation is going to be a little bit different, but you know, those, those are some of the things you'd want to look at when you're getting that certificate of insurance from the contractor. You mentioned the word umbrella a couple times in that answer. What what is an umbrella policy? What does that mean? So an umbrella policy is going to be liability. It's going to be a liability coverage. Um, and if we talk about it from a personal standpoint, um, you know, you're gonna you know, let's say you have your homeowner's policy here, you have your auto policy here, and both of those have liability. So let's say both of them have five hundred thousand dollars in liability. The umbrella is going to go over the top of both of them. So, you know, essentially take those policies and you have 500,000 and as the consumer on your own side, you're looking to put an umbrella. It's an, it's an extra layer of protection for liability for yourself. So, you know, if you have a home claim and you have $500,000 in liability and somebody gets hurt on your property and, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad situation and, and somebody's going to need some long-term care or, or, or whatever it may be. And that first part of the liability is going to come from your homeowners, meaning let's say we have $500,000 as an underlying limit on the homeowners. If that limit gets exhausted, that's when you go into the umbrella. So generally um, umbrellas start at a million dollars. 
and each person is different and each situation is different, but you know, I've seen umbrellas go up to $25 million or, or higher. Um, you have to, at that point, again, talk with your agent and say, what makes sense for me? What do you think I need? So, you know, again, the underlying limit is going to be covered under the home or possibly the auto, but we're, we're talking about houses here. So you'll have that, that underlying limit that, that 500,000 or a million underlying once that's exhausted, it would go into the umbrella. So, you know, think of the umbrella as just going over the top. Hey, Tim, do you guys need to know about the driveway and accessibility? Because just imagine, I've been to job sites where I can't imagine a fire truck getting to the house because it's such a complicated driveway. How do you guys know about that, though, before you go and insure the home? You know, that's that's a thing um, the insurance companies will ask about at times, you know, depending on location. Again, we always, you know, location, 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 right? With the protection class and how far are we how far away are we from a from a hydrant? You know, what's going to be the nearest water source? So, you know, as you talk about driveways and getting up them and things like that, another thing to think about is, you know, what's what's going to be the closest water source? You know, so if you have a house that's out in the middle of, you know, 100 acres and the fire departments are just going to have to bring pumper truck after pumper truck full of water, um, that, that plays into factor on all the rating. So, yes, accessibility, especially on a secondary. So if you're talking about a secondary home and, you know, they're going to want to know is it, is that driveway going to be plowed? You know, if, if you're in a area where a secondary home and it's snowy, you know, is that, is that driveway going to be plowed? You know, if, if, if the driveway is a mile long and nobody's plowing it and you have a fire, you know, we're going to, that's going to be a tough situation to get that, that fire put out. Tim, I'm sure there's a misconception that if people can just self-insure themselves, they figure, well, they've got enough money where if, if something happens on the project, if there's a hiccup, something needs to be replaced, that they can just cash flow it. What kind of circumstances would we run into with, with a scenario like that? You know, again, each, each customer is going to have their own situation, and, and financially, everybody's different. So if somebody would decide to self-insure the building itself, even once the building is completed, they may say, you know what, if it, if it burns down or I have a, I have a partial loss, I'm, I'm willing to pay for that. We're going to call it, you know, self-insuring. Even in those situations, I would recommend that that you get liability extended to the location. We can still get a liability policy, or you know, if it's your main home or a secondary home, we can still make sure we have liability at that location. So, you know, I think that liability is always going to be important because that's going to protect you, you know, against that third-party claim. You know, somebody slips and falls and they get hurt or. You know, somebody comes onto your property and they get hurt. So, you know, the liability portion, I think, is always going to be important to have. Um, you know, and each person is different. You know, somebody somebody may be able to afford to build a million dollar, two million dollar home and say, you know, I'm willing to take the chance. You know, if something happens, I'm willing to take that chance and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. When you look at that from a different perspective, if let's just say you had two million dollars sitting there. How comfortable would you feel losing that money, right? You'd want to have some sort of insurance on that. So it's uh, it is it is pretty risky. Yeah. I think uh, you know, it's respectful of your own money to actually get insurance and to be be cautious of what could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, in those situations, we can talk. You know, we can talk about 
you know, maybe, maybe we put a $50,000, $100,000 deductible on at that point if you've got a two, three, four million dollar house. You know, maybe we look at increasing that deductible to 50, 100, you know, again, each company is going to be different in what they offer. But, you know, at that point, you're looking at it as, hey, I'm, I'm just looking for the catastrophic loss. I'm not looking for the, the smaller loss or the, you know, the, the flooring gets damaged because of a water leak. I, I'm not looking to claim that if the entire place burns down, then I'm probably going to call you. Would it be relevant to ask what kind of documentation are we looking at for something like this? Do they need to have floor plans? You know, you guys do a really good job of putting together this cost, this cost, and laying everything out and labeling all your floor plans and all of that. So I've seen those. Um, the more documentation, the more that we have, the better. And not that we always necessarily need it up front. It's in the time of a claim. You know, one of the one of the questions I get asked all the time is, "Hey, should I take?" Should I take pictures of my house or should I should I record the inside of my house? Uh, and I, I tell the insurance, I don't need it. I personally don't need it. But at the time of a loss, that's going to be your greatest resource, especially if, if you have a total loss and you're you come back and essentially you come back to the 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 entire inside of your house is gutted or, um, you know, we've we, you've you've really lost everything down to the down to the foundation. I tell people having those pictures is going to make you remember, hey, you know, that bookshelf had, you know, 22 books and we had figurines and, and we had some family pictures and some things like that. You know, any of that documentation you have is going to help you at the time of loss and it's going to make your life easier. Because if you have that major home fire or you have a tornado come through or, or whatever that disaster may be, that's a very trying time and and you know that you're going to be leaning on your insurance agent and unfortunately we're going to have to come back to you and say we need documentation on this this and this and here's how we need you to fill this out and you know you're not going to remember if you had 14 pair of jeans in your closet or 30 shirts or six pair of shoes and so the more that you can have documented on your end beforehand it makes it easier for you in the end hopefully you never have to go through it you know, but if, if you are having to go through that, you know, we want to try to make that as painless as possible. What Wait. does the claims process look like? So, so if you have a claim, um, you know, insurance companies, a lot of times you can report directly to the insurance company, you know, as an independent agent, you know, as your agent, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to call me. I'm going to walk you through that process. We're going to get that claim filed with the insurance company. We're going to get the adjuster in touch with you. You know, if if you're, um, you know, if you have to be dislocated from your house, um, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to get you some money up front and get you in some sort of temporary housing or figure out where you're going to be or if you're going to have clothes. I mean, I actually personally had a claim this last fall. I had a gentleman lost his entire house. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a Saturday and I, I got a call and went out to his house and you know, sat with him, we were there and the fire department was still there putting out the fire and we were talking about it. And I said, well, you know, where are you going to go tonight? What are you going to do tonight? So we, you know, you work through that plan and, and where are you going to be and what do you have for clothing? And, you know, and unfortunately for him, his vehicles were in the garage and both vehicles were damaged. So again, each situation is different. We talk about that a lot. Um, but, you know, we want to be there. And we want to make sure we're getting you taken care of and, and getting you what you need, you know someone's just getting started with you 
how long would that timeline take? Like, let's just say I actually have my insurance policies coming to renew toward the end of the year. Uh, in my mind, my calculus is, boy, Tim, if I want to reach out to you, you know, I got to do that ASAP. And I don't know if we have enough time to, to make something happen before my existing policies renew. Um, so how does someone transition from what they currently have to an agent like yourself? Yeah, I, you know, again, you know, what we'd want to do is probably sit down and meet with you. Um, we're a little old fashioned at times. We still sit at the kitchen table. We still do some of that. Um, you can come into our office or we're happy to meet you. Uh, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll get started with say, hey, what, you know, what do you currently have? Tell me, tell me what you currently have. Um, I don't need to know the prices. I don't, I don't need to know what you're paying. Because uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to try to offer you the best value. And, and you have to tell me whether or not what I'm offering you is worth the, the price. Um, but we're going to go through that. We're going to sit down. I'm, you know, we're going to need a lot of information. We're going to need the year of construction and, you know, the electrical service is a 200 amp, 400 amp, you know, wherever we're at, um, backup generators, alarm systems, all those different things, construction. So, you know, the more time, obviously the better always. Um, but can we turn things around quickly if we have to? Yeah, we can do that. Well, I'm going to need to figure out how to reach out to you. So how, how will I do it? So if you want to get a hold of us, we're Spectrum Insurance Group. Uh, our headquarters, if you want to call it, is based out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Again, we have 16 locations. Um, you can reach us on our website at uh, spectruminsgroup.com and scroll through and, and find the location that's closest to you. So at this point, we're um, 16 locations, again, like I said, throughout Wisconsin, and we're, uh, we're looking to expand continually. We've got... Uh, an acquisition that's, uh, I, I can't say where and when, or can't say where yet, but it's happening January 1st, so we'll be adding another location. And, um, you know, one of the other things we're looking at is expanding into Minnesota at this point. Well, That'll bring you up to 17 locations? 17. Right? Yep. I enjoy looking at your website. You guys sure do offer a lot of great services. So, well, I appreciate that. It's been great to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity and having us and... Um, you know, giving us a good chance to talk about things. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. it, Tim. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to, to explore all the, all the insurance options. Imagine a life where your home is a work of art, where nature and luxury embrace with a custom Golden Eagle log and timber home. Our expert team is here to guide you every step of the way.